Hello, and welcome to the Resonance Test. I'm your host, Kenji Ross from EPAM Continuum. Today we're speaking with Brad Scrivener, President and CEO of Vast Bank. He's the steady hand guiding Vast Bank around the various icebergs of today's financial services industry, and there are quite a few. The upstart fintech movement has made life more difficult for anyone involved in traditional banking, as new customers demand flexibility, speed, and low costs. And as any captain knows, the bigger your ship is, the harder it is to turn. FastBank has responded by accelerating changes. They've surveyed the landscape from a customer perspective, making inroads into conversational commerce, embracing digital asset management, and finding ways to disrupt themselves by leaning into partnerships and learning where they can bring the most value to customers. And, as we learn from his conversation with Jim Kearney, Managing Principal in the Financial Services Consulting Practice at EPAM, they're focused on the future. From decentralized finance to a centralized digital currency to everyone's favorite, blockchain, financial services are on a very interesting ride. Can he bring together the trust people have in traditional banking while remaining nimble enough to embrace new and somewhat intimidating technology? Let's listen in to see how he'll do it. Hi, Brad. Thanks for uh, joining today's podcast. Jim, thanks for having me. Uh, pleasure to be here. Yeah, so let's uh, jump right in. I know there's a lot of things happening right now in the broader financial services landscape, and Vast Bank is at the uh, the cutting edge with a lot of this. I'm just kind of curious. You know, one of the things I'm, I'm seeing a lot in the space today is there's this there's this challenge of building trust in a digital world. I'm curious, uh, how, how does Vast Bank focus on building trust with their clients in a digital world? You know, that's really uh, a great question, and it's 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 changing and. You know, if you think about banking and uh, or financial services in general, um, I think historically you had that uh, one-on-one relationship, and in many cases it was within your community or or that sort of thing. So, you know, when you think about trust in a new digital world where community and relationships are changing, I think people expect. Um, relationships more like, um, and the comparison is not necessarily to a financial institution, but it's more like to what Amazon provides you, uh, where they have successfully been able to have uh, create an experience that is still trusted, it's transparent, uh, and you continue to have um, additional services that are going along and, and, and you continue to trust that. So, I think it's absolutely uh, changing. It's a challenge, and it's it's one that uh, financial services has been. It seems like maybe slower to adapt to than some other industries have have been. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I, th- I think we're seeing a lot of the industry lines continue to blur. And to your point, you know, customer experience in the space doesn't necessarily compare compared one bank to another bank. It's it's really compared to what you get from an Amazon and such. And you want that from your bank, you want that from your doctor, you want that from really anybody you engage with day to day. I'm curious from your perspective, as you think about client experience, specifically as it relates to the pandemic, have you seen a lot of change that's come out of uh, the pandemic in terms of how VastBank views building that client experience? Uh, well, that certainly accelerated it. So if you think about the pandemic and, and um, you know, in some ways it accelerated it for everyone, everyone had to react to it. So some of those 
uh, banks that maybe um, didn't have that uh, at their forefront, maybe didn't think it was as important. Uh, well, believe me, today they know that it's really important. But specific to Bast, um, you know, certainly like others, uh, we went to a drive-through only facility. We um, uh, closed the lobby in terms of and, and went to more of an appointment only uh, uh, type of situation. And so, and, and from a remote workforce perspective, we were already going down that, that uh, path, but uh, uh, certainly this, this tested it, put some stress on it, and we feel really good about that. So, you know, at the end of the day, we, we did a lot of PPP loans, which were the government um, uh, loans that came in to help uh, small businesses through. Uh, those those pieces we did Main Street lending uh, loans and we were able to do all of it, uh, you know, more digitally and uh, we were able to meet that demand uh, and and meet that that the customers meet them exactly where they wanted to do business and how they wanted to do business. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and and, and it's funny. I think one of the things that that I've noticed a lot and just in conversations with our clients. Uh, here at EPAM is you, you see a lot of, of conversational commerce becoming more prevalent in terms of a strategy, right? So the use of chatbots in meeting clients on their terms through maybe that type of, of channel as well. Ha- have you guys at Vast uh, leveraged conversational commerce types of, of opportunities? And, and, and if so, how do you see those evolving as it relates to the client experience? Yeah, another great question. We, we, um, so through our fintech partnerships, and we have engaged in some chatbot relationships on top of the SAP platform. So that is the main way we've done it. And just, just as kind of a reminder here for on our journey, um, in October, we should have all of our legacy bank on the SAP platform. In the meantime, right now, we have our fintech partnerships sitting on top of that SAP platform um, uh, to do those things. So, you know, one of our strategies was to be able to adapt to changing customer preferences. So, um, you know, the conversational components, the chat bots and all of those things we think are definitely coming uh, and in many cases are here. Uh, but I think it will be increasingly important. And it was really important for us to put a platform in place that didn't paint us into a corner. Uh, and as, as those customer touch points continue to change, that we can meet them. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, one area where, where, and I'd love your perspective on this, is one area where I, I think we see a lot of this now is if you think about it, there's multiple generations that are out there. Uh, and, and, and of course, each generation has their own preference in terms of the types of channels that they want to interact with their financial services provider through. Uh, how are you guys contemplating the whole idea around the, the, you know, the different generations that are out there, family banking, things along those lines as you contemplate your strategy looking forward? Yeah, that, you know, that's hard. And, and if you think about the existing landscape today and, you know, if, if you look at surveys, if you look at where deposits and accounts are being opened, you know, and there's plenty of information out there, but it's happening at the mega banks and it's happening through fintechs, community banks and regional banks and credit unions. And those are not seeing some of that, that piece. So what is that? 
what does that mean? And what is the challenge uh, that, that comes out of that, right? Well, people are gravitating towards um, better experiences, either through that fintech or in the case of the mega banks, they have some really great tech that they've been able to, to um, put in place that meets those customer needs on a national basis. So if you think about the traditional community bank where, you know, mom and uh, dad opened an account and maybe grandparents and that was your community bank that you went to church at you or, or, you know, your banker was a church with you in the community at the chamber and all of those type of things. And then you were able to get that um, the, the children's. Uh, initial account that, that opened up, right? And you had a good chance to be able to keep that account. But if you think about today, back to your very first question that we had, if, if you're no longer comparing the experience to your bank down the street, which may be offering a very similar experience, but now you're comparing it to Amazon, Netflix, Venmo, you know, whatever the case may be, well, now all of a sudden, instead of being able to retain those kids as as future uh, uh, customers, now all of a sudden they're much more willing to experiment. And guess what? Whenever the kid goes and opens an account somewhere else and they have a good experience and then they go back to their parent or grandparent or whatever the case may be and train them how to uh, use that digital technology, there's not much difference between the different age groups in terms of actually how they use uh, the technology once they understand it. So you see a lot of threat, a lot of new competition. Uh, and even if you may still have an account opened up by the child or the parent or whatever, they may no longer use you as the primary account. So it's a really interesting challenge that we as bankers and, and, and those in the broader financial services industry need to be thinking about and addressing. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, the, the financial literacy, I, I think, is a, is a challenge. It has been for a long time. And I, I think where it's really coming to a head in a lot of the ways on top of what you just described is, is you're starting to hear more in the news and see it more more often the conversations around digital assets and cryptos, things along those lines. Uh, I'm curious as, as you think about uh, the vast bank perspective on digital assets. I know this is something that that that's you guys are really focused on. How do you sit there and, and, and explain to your clients how digital assets work and get them comfortable? Again, kind of back to that building trust aspect earlier in the conversation. Yeah, it's so funny. I was at a wedding this weekend and. Um, was sitting at the table with some friends I hadn't seen in quite a while. And uh, the wife is, we start a conversation about blockchain and cryptocurrency. And I've got my banker saying, you know, uh, we're around town talking with people and cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, all those things are a topic of conversation. So it, it, it's not going away. Uh, we're having more and more of those conversations. And, and if you think about it, okay, from a, from a bank standpoint, you know, our job, and we've got, what, 600 plus years of history here, you are the one that determines what, what is valuable, right? You determine what's valuable to you and you give it to the bank and 
the bank protects it and gives it back to you. Right. I mean, it's, it's not rocket science in terms of, of that that regard. So if you think about digital assets in, in the sense of and I, in other situations, I've used a safety deposit box analogy, analogy. Right. If you have something valuable and you want to put it inside of the physical um, safety deposit box, the bank is going to protect that. We have infrastructure, buildings, security systems, you know, all of those things in place to protect your valuable for you in your safe deposit box. Well, from a cryptocurrency perspective, it's very, very similar type of concept. Vast Bank owns the digital wallet, which would be the equivalent of the safety deposit box. You, as a customer, are the ones that are actually going to purchase, exchange USD, United States dollar, for that um, Bitcoin, let's say, just to use an example. And that cryptocurrency is going to sit inside of that digital wallet, okay, and the banking infrastructure uh, and all of our partners are going to protect that asset for you. Did that make sense? Makes complete sense. And I think the key word that you mentioned, at least from my perspective, as I, as I listened to you there, was value. You know, and, and it's how do you sit there and explain the value and, and have that translate so that the, the clients understand the value of crypto and what that means from the vast bank perspective, right, in terms of that digital wallet, which makes sense. Uh, I, know, I know there's a book out there that that you're a big fan of that, that value is a huge part of, right? It's the book called Unlocking the Customer Value Chain. Can you talk about the influence that that book has had on your work at Vast and maybe even how it ties into some of the crypto comments you just mentioned? Yeah. So, you know, for me, uh, and I do love that book, recommend it. Uh, I, I think they do a really good job because at the end of the day, disruption happens when business model changes, right? And so you can think about it again. I'm a big analogy type person, but if you think about um other industries like uh, uh, MRI or imaging or things like that, right? That used to happen inside of hospitals. And it was an integrated type of value chain where you went to the hospital and you had this, this complete thing. Well, that value, right, got decoupled out of that integrated value chain and got moved um, outside into separate uh, facilities and people chose to go into those separate f- uh, facilities for various reasons. Maybe it was convenience. Maybe they didn't want to have to go into the hospital. They, you know, they, they didn't want to wait as long or whatever the case may be. So, you know, banking has been historically a very integrated value chain. And whether that be the initial account opening and the onboarding process, you know, all the way to taking those initial deposits and and making payments or transferring uh, assets between one account and another uh, or uh, to the lending process. Right. They controlled all of it. But at the end of the day, what is it that the fintechs have, have done uh, successfully? They've been able to say you know, we're going to go out and create value at different stages um, uh, within this process. And we're going to focus on that customer experience and being able to get paid for the experience that we are providing. So I think that what we as a bank have 
wanted to do is number one, we want to always look at things from the customer's perspective, the starting point, and we want to understand those different journeys in terms of how they are trying to accomplish things. And we as a bank want to try and come alongside the customer to advise them or to help them do the things that they want to do through that journey. And so for us, putting in place a a technology platform that enables us to have a decoupled value chain, meaning that we are going to be able to disrupt ourselves at each stage of that value chain. And at the end of the day, if you're not going to get paid for value, right, then it's okay to partner with others who may be able to provide value in that way or in that part of the value chain. Why not partner with them? At the end of the day, for us, it's about the customer. It's about putting the customer needs first. And we believe that if we can create that type of experience with the customer, that ultimately we will be able to win, uh, win in the sense of, of have a, a sustainable and profitable business that meets the customer's needs. And I don't feel like we as a bank don't feel like that we have to um, necessarily uh, uh, compete at every single stage of that value chain, although we are a full service uh, bank and financial institution. So we do have services there, but I have no issues bringing partners in that may do it better, may provide a slightly different experience. And I'm okay with customers being able to work with them directly if that's the experience that they desire. Yeah, that makes sense in terms of that that transformation journey that that I think a lot of of clients and and uh, institutions in the space are going down. Uh, I've got one last question for you, and, and it somewhat is, is piggybacking on some of the other things we've talked about. Uh, you know, a lot of things, as we mentioned, with crypto and, and customer value and fintech and such, we're seeing less of an evolution of the space, and I'd call it almost more of a revolution in the space itself. You know, where do you see banking services headed next, above and beyond, even some of the things we've talked about? Wow, that's a that's a very big question. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so um, I think blockchain is going to be significant. I, I, I um, and blockchain is the underlying um, uh, technology that, and cryptocurrency would be a, a use case, right? So I do think that the, that the blockchain is going to be meaningful, and there are going to be um, additional use cases and increasing use cases there. I think that. Um, I think that DeFi, um, uh, decentralized finance, and and you know people can Google that or or whatever they want to to take a look at it. But that's that's a movement to, uh, towards disintermediation, and the the ability for trusted parties, uh, or excuse me, for separate parties to be able to work directly together. Uh, and uh, to be able to transfer or, or do things. Uh, uh, so I think that that'll be an interesting space. I don't think that it is going to happen overnight. I think that there is a role 
uh, just like you're seeing in the cryptocurrency side. Um, it's not that people can't go out and open accounts directly with exchanges, but the vast majority of people or the, the, those folks, there, there are certainly a large percentage of folks that feel more comfortable doing it through a bank uh, that is regulated and, and all of those things. Well, I think that we will move increasingly towards DeFi, uh, but I don't think it's going to be like a, uh, a cliff, right, where everybody just jumps. And I think there will be a role. We're positioning ourselves to be able to participate um, uh, in those things. I think that um, I think we will seize uh, central bank digital currency. I think that will become reality. Uh, and um, you know, I think that we will see lending uh, against crypto uh, type of assets, uh, digital assets. Although I don't have uh, clarity, and there is, you know, there, it's still an evolving space. So. Golly, what did I just name? Three or four different types of things uh, there. So there's a lot going, yeah. going on. Yeah, Brad, no, completely agree. It's, it's going to be fun to watch. I, I, I'm completely on board with what you're saying. So uh, listen, Brad, thank you again for your time today. I know you're busy, so I appreciate your time you're spent with us on this podcast. And uh, good luck with the rest of uh, your spring. Hey, thanks so much. It was a pleasure to join you today. EPAM Continuum integrates business, experience, and technology consulting focused on accelerating breakthrough ideas into meaningful impact. At EPAM Continuum, we're very deliberate about the term innovation. For us, it means turning ideas into stuff that's real. Because from our perspective, ideas aren't really innovative until they exist. Thanks are due to our guest Brad Scrivener for investing his time with us today. He was interviewed by Jim Kearney. Our producer is Ken Gordon. Kip Palalis is our sound engineer, and I'm your host, Kenji Ross. Until the next one, thank you. Thank you.